Aloha, and welcome to my podcast, the very first segment. I'm recording from Honolulu, Hawaii, and on topic is being a targeted individual. This is a really strange term for people who have not yet reframed into this perspective and way of looking at what is going on around them. But there is a growing group of individuals, not only in the United States, but all over the globe, who have the same experiences. So I'm going to need to break this down somehow, and hopefully some other willing and able targeted individuals will be willing and able to be interviewed and share their experiences and thoughts about how to solve these problems and how to get through the targeting. Now, for those of you who don't understand quite how difficult this kind of living is, um, it doesn't at first affect your daily life. You still go to work, you still have your friends, your family, and things are generally normal. But as it progresses, it goes from simple home invasions and annoying things being moved, let's say. Maybe you didn't have a squirrel running through your house knocking things over. Maybe it was somebody who entered. And it progresses to what is on the cusp of what we call today information warfare, electronic warfare, and cyber warfare. So most people are familiar with the cyber warfare terms and the hackers and those things that happen electronically, but many people still are unfamiliar with the electronic warfare world that was basically pushed underground because the Soviets had banned several of the weapons, but those weapons have reemerged in the United States and in other nations on the black market and in underground and covert societies. I'm going to speculate that they're coming through on channels with illegal operations as well as with the increasing community of special operators, contractors, contract killers, and other people who are able to obtain these weapons. So this is my intro and I welcome you to my first podcast. Aloha, welcome back. This is Survivor Pile. And tonight I'm going to share some of my targeted individual story because I was warned when I came to Hawaii from my vacation about several crime gangs on this island. 
and they aren't just gangs, they are syndicates and cartels, as well as occult clubs and masons, and the military, of course, is here as well. Plus, I have this added joyous part of being part Japanese, and of a family that is a very known targeted family in Japan, uh, targeted by Yakuza. So we are a favorite target of Yakuza. So I have a different perception than most people who have participated from the United States side. Um, so that said, I don't want to get into how many people probably hate me just because I am a blood relative of somebody. But uh, let me start with my targeting story. So in 2009, I planned a vacation in Hawaii and I chose to come to Oahu in case anything happened. I thought there would be enough people here who are reasonable, by my definition of reasonable, that I wouldn't get stuck. Like if I were to have gone to Maui or Big Island or one of the outer islands where the population density is very low. And that was apparently a mistake. So my targeting started when I booked my plane ticket online from Pennsylvania and I was approached online at my YouTube channel. I was dropped an invitation to a forum for some reason and so I responded and at that time I had some strange piano videos up because my friends were daring me to see how many hits I could get playing piano in an untraditional piano outfit. Meaning not a piano gown, not a long skirt like we usually wear with flat ballet slippers. Uh, I wore a very modern, not appropriate piano outfit. And so this forum found me, invited me, and I was somewhat interested to, enough to check it out and sign in, so I did. And that is where I met the so-called handler. <laughs> Other people have defined him as a handler. Uh, so I am just using other terminology that everyone else understands. And he apparently was unaware that this was set up. And I find it difficult to believe because he seemed to have a lot of background knowledge of me and at that point in time I did not have a ton of background knowledge of my personal life up online. I have been combating terrorist issues with the white supremacist movement, right, white supremacist, excuse me, movement in Pennsylvania and New York for decades and I had become actively involved in fighting it because I had no choice. Um, I went from one issue of being targeted in my neighborhood uh, after my brother was killed 
and they were leaving knives outside my window. I mean, very, very large threat, threatening knives, letting me know that they were there. Uh, German knives, not normal knives, not kitchen knives. And my studio in New York that I had had apparently been the target of them chasing me from Pennsylvania to New York and they burned down a adjoining studio apparently so this was all swept under the rug when the studio uh, was burned this was back in 2000 this uh first month I had the lease just signed a lease and they tried to burn my place down. I barely had anything moved in, so I didn't know what to do. I, I had to refrain from bringing the piano in, actually. They, they had to ozonate the building uh, because of smoke damage. So I found that information out at a wine center opening that I was invited to and someone approached me and said we thought that was your studio and they there was a nearby conversation about the burning of that building so this is some pretty heavy stuff and the online targeting before I came to Hawaii was separate at least so I think it's separate um, and the handler picked me up at the airport. We had chatted online. He had a nice photo up of him in his younger years. He was much older than that. And sounded different, too. His phone voice sounded different than the in-person voice. And we all do that. I've taken my share of voice lessons. And so when I have to present in a hard format, sometimes I speak a little bit more properly than my daily speaking casually. And so this guy met me at the airport, which was very nice of him. So I'm, I'm coming from a community where people do nice things. You know, they open the door, hold the door open. Um, those, those types of things that don't happen everywhere. And my targeting story begins there. It started after I booked a plane ticket. And that lead, led me to believe that these people were working at either the airport or an agency or coordinated some sort of flight list. So, yeah, we all know about those no-fly lists and targeting lists and blacklists and everything. But I had no reason to believe that I was in any danger or immediate threat because everything seemed friendly. And I was wrong. I was very wrong about that. And I can't say that I had much free will once I left the airport premises. And I had insisted that I go get my rental car. 
and stay at the airport and he insisted that I go with him and he'll bring me back to get my rental car. And I did get my rental car, but it was not a comfortable situation because I sensed something was amiss. And reluctantly, I went with him. I did get my rental car, but hmm, if I had to do it over again, I would have stood my ground on the sidewalk and cruised at the airport for hours until my rental car was ready. So, yeah, when things are not lining up correctly for a trip, when you have to wait too long for a rental car or something, um, try to have a plan because that's where they got me. It was a, an unusually long gap between my landing and when I could pick up my rental car. So that changed the situation and drastically I won't get into too much about what happened in there, but that was the point of contact was after I purchased my plane ticket. And they did it from wherever they run that forum from. So it is possible for other people to have had a similar experience. Uh, some of the women I have met in Hawaii actually came to Hawaii with somebody they trusted and were left here. So they had very different, very, very different um, experiences, but mine was um, miscoordination of events. So I know this is not a major travel advisory alert, but I have seen from some of my time in Waikiki as I've lived in different apartments and condos around Waikiki and all the hotels are there and the desks are open. I can hear people yelling. I used to hear people yelling at the concierge or whoever about not having a room and people not being willing to make accommodations for them. In the meantime, um, it is apparently the way Hawaii is run. And I've blogged, and I don't like to say people are that nasty here, but there is a major consideration in traveling to Hawaii since people do not behave like a normal hotel where people just really don't care, but they got an open room, so they want to fill the room. Um, here, even if they have an open room, they don't want to let you use the room. Uh, some things are reserved for the military, so that's understandable. But some of this is coming from the so-called deep state programs they're running. And it should be a factor in planning a vacation, a consideration factor, because the NSA is here, CIA is here. There apparently were only a few international agents on island. And uh, I came at a time when Obama was the president. 
So everybody connected to Obama and Hawaii were pretty much able to do whatever they wanted, which was to my disadvantage. The other thing to my disadvantage was that the state had not made human trafficking illegal until 2015. So I, and what they call human trafficking here and prostitution here can be as simple as somebody working in a certain type of venue, say a cabaret, a place with a cabaret license and giving their phone number to a customer. Um, the Honolulu Liquor Commission actually has ticketed women for prostitution for giving their phone number to someone. So aside from the regular gang stalking methods of ripping off our belongings, I mean by belongings that women are travelers who become stuck here because somebody has taken their purse and their identification, which you do need to enter and participate at some of these places. Um, but when your whole entire purse, wallet, uh, ID cards, anything you need to get back on a plane and leave are taken, you're very stuck. And this is not a an an unusual thing to have happen. In my case, my so-called handler also did corporate and diplomatic security. So he had clearances, taxi licenses, everything, and also other certifications. So he, of all people, is supposed to know better than to do this. But I am just going to leave the beginning of my story there for some things to think about. Um, and I guess the other thing in women's self-defense that I'm going to say is that some laws have been changed in Hawaii since I've blogged so much of my story online, at least the critical points of difference between New York. I mean, I'm a single half-Japanese woman who travels alone quite a bit. Um, and even though I went to an upstate New York private school and can get along in Manhattan all right, I've never had problems with people like I have in Hawaii. Um, I've been an intern in D.C. in Silver Springs uh, where they have, you know, carjackings and all sorts of things happen. I never had an issue in any of those places. I, I'm fairly street smart, and I was a canvasser around D.C. because I helped run a uh, national canvassing office uh, for the fundraising portion of a lobbying branch. So this is, like, really intense over here in Hawaii. I'm not saying it's a poor neighborhood. I'm just saying that people live without their means. I guess they made more money in the 80s, and so everybody is easy pickings for them because I, we are a little bit more naive or maybe the good people watch out for each other a little bit more. Uh, but when you come to Hawaii, they see your name, 
I remember taking the bus because basically I didn't have access to a vehicle. That That's such a thing to get into is meeting someone who then basically commandeers your vehicle. I'm just going to say it sucks. Um, but yet, yeah, we're, I'm not, I, man, this is tough. This is tough. For me to talk about this is really, really tough. So, yeah, you just heard what I said, and I'm stuck in Hawaii. But other women I know have had their purses ripped off and been stuck here. And some of them, because the guys pick fights with them, wind up in jail because in Hawaii they arrest both parties and then the women are stuck in Hawaii because their home country won't take them back. Or they're underage and they don't have an idea and I don't know where their parents are in this but not wanting to send documents to somebody they don't know and then not being able to produce your own identification here is a big problem. Uh, nothing in Hawaii is fingerprinted. It seems the new business passes for travel are, I guess, the fast check lane. But it's really hard to prove who you are over here. And I don't know if that's good or if it's bad, but a lot of people speculate that this is an extension of what was the MK Ultra program of manipulating people into positions and using them. And some people think it's a better life, but it's really rough here. For me, it is because I'm older and I know a different way of living despite all of my activism, so-called activism, it was more like trying to keep the Ku Klux Klan or, well, yeah, I can say that because they have actually personally attacked me uh, during a peaceful, organized protest that involved rescuing animals they were shooting. So I was at a place with guns and animals and about 300 other people, and they attacked me directly. So, I mean, physically attacked. I'm experienced, is what I'm saying, is I'm experienced and I was trained to handle different situations. So I don't know what can be done to keep women safe when they travel to Hawaii. It has changed drastically. They have made the Waikiki area more of a luxury area and there are a lot of internationals intertwining with CIA landlords so even I don't want to show up at my healing group anymore I found out somebody uh, secured a housing situation where the landlord is CIA so it makes me very uncomfortable to recommend anything out here, but I can share stories. Oh, wow. I'm trying to reduce how many people are targeted, and some of the targeting stops when you leave the island. 
or as some of us who are stuck here say, oh, well, the island won't let you leave. That is actually a common saying, the island won't let you leave, meaning something bad happened and you couldn't leave and your flight and it got very expensive and very involved to the point where you couldn't leave and you had to start making a life here in one way or another to survive. And I think I'll leave it at that right now because the rest gets really painfully emotional for me and it's wiped me out for weeks before because uh, this is a saddening situation. Oh, the other thing is once I did get uh, some of my things together and other people found out about me, they actually ripped off. I, I had been a classical piano faculty at Doylestown. I had a very good reputation from childhood as being one of the more, you know, up in the tops. Uh, three usually of Pennsylvania during the Music Teachers Association events uh, for Yamaha and Baldwin then. It was a old school way of doing things. Things were much more harsh than the new ways. And so the international elite teachers of Curtis Institute knew who I was, including the Sokolovs, who are world famous piano teachers. So when I came to Hawaii, I was um, slapped in the face by the piano community and this is very hard for me to say as a professional, but somebody had broken into my apartment and stolen any documents that I had had with me about my piano teaching because my, my plan was to have gone to Japan after my visit in Hawaii um, to see my family. But that was my personal plan that I didn't share with anyone because uh, I was kind of waiting for the Goldman Sachs stuff to quiet down in 2009. I had been asked to, well, I, I had been offered carte blanche on a company because I had spent 15 years of learning how to run companies and this was a startup I could, I could basically run on my own, but I knew what I was looking at financially with everything turning around in 2009 and trying to contract certain things out, knowing people were going to close businesses. So I came here to take a break and reflect on which direction to go. And I thought if it got bad, I would, you know, go to Japan, teach English, that kind of thing. If it got better, I would go back to Philadelphia. I had been working with somebody who was a government contractor, an ex-government contractor on development in Africa, actually. But we were talking about ground-up development, as in there's not even a secure transportation for people to go to school. Um, we're talking about very, very humble beginning, but very difficult project nonetheless. So, um, yeah, 
I had my piano things with me and somebody did rip them off and then they reappeared. And then later I had gone to a music teacher's event because I was trying to get to know the local community since I got stuck here. And they were not friendly. They were very denigrating to me. I maybe met two people who weren't. Um, but I heard students who were playing my program. So they had my program broken up to one student per piece or movement of a piece. And I found that very infuriating and very insulting because when I choose to belong to the MTNA and had for so long, aside from the racism I endured as a child, this was a big slap in my face because they're publicly telling people I'm not good enough because I'm from the East Coast and that I'm too high makamaka that I think too much myself. And I took that as a very big insult because I loved piano when I was a child. I thought it was the most beautiful music I'd heard. And I really wanted to play. I just had this desire to play because it was so beautiful. And in that beauty was a tradition. And so my feelings not only were hurt, but my professionalism was being smattered all over the place. And then I even had a student. He, I don't even want to call him a student but somebody who was a funder for the local YMTA who did not take me seriously, but used the fact that he was from Texas to justify his behaviors, which were not acceptable, actually, to me. And um, they insulted me in a very high way, aside from having... And this goes along with my tar being targeted as a niece of a steel broker in Japan. I mean, my father is a working guy, and he was always good to support us and put up with our piano thing that was from my great-grandmother, his grandmother. This is from my Philadelphia side of the family. Uh, it was uh, from the Isle of Man and from... Ireland and Poland and Russia, Russian Poles from Ohio and Philadelphia. So I was extremely insulted when I got here by the people and the racism directed at me and the hatred directed at me because they they were telling me I think to Halley. But the uh, Mililani town had a rendering I saw and it was posted online as their new entertainment and cultural music facility. And they um, seemed to think that I should somehow coerce my family into spending money on building that, my Japanese side. So then beyond that, 
while I was going through what I've been going through here and not working in my chosen line of work, which involved my entire childhood, being a pianist, learning from the best, to um, going to college on a scholarship and being a music student. I was supposed to be one of the top three, but a lot of racial problems in school and uh, ignorance hurt me very badly. So I, I kind of withdrew my interest from the school because of what was going on in the school and I wasn't being heard by anybody. So, I mean, this was my whole life. I spent playing the piano, and it's known as a hobby. You know, it's a hobby for some of us, and then my other business focuses and everything were to remain private That because th it is a high level of security around export, import, and steel shipping. So as everyone knows on the planet that there has been terrorist activity and the laws have changed greatly in the shipping industry. So the other portion of it was that these people were compromising my security. When I would have been, and I joined because normally I volunteer my time in order to share my art that is from Europe. It's not like I invented Beethoven. I did not. That's, it's quite the other way around. I, I'm grateful I've been able to play Beethoven and they've made fun of me. They have poked fun at what I play. Um, all, of course, in the European tradition of piano. And then uh, they haven't made comments about the playing the Russian music. But, I mean, they're just incredibly insulting. And if that's not a gang-stalking operation itself coming from the piano or the NSA or CIA community, it is highly inappropriate, I think. And I'm not Illuminati, but I explained to a reporter that the piano also was there to... And it, it exists, and the arts, the classic arts, not just the Asian arts, exist so that certain people can remain without being subject to Foreign Agents Act. Um, as I am a family member of a somewhat political family in Japan, uh, the piano also is my, is my art. It's not just my art because I don't decide everything, but everybody's made a mockery of me. And I'm voicing that now because it's caused great humility to me on top of the racism I already had to endure. So, I mean, Every aspect of that is violated, and I even had to get rid of the piano at my apartment because stalkers would find me because I could play. They could hear me playing, and as people say around here, yeah, they moved from that town because they didn't like hearing their neighbors talk and breathe and snore anymore. The homes here are very. Um, 
transparent as far as sound goes. So it's been on multiple levels, and I think that's the greatest hurt to me is the community here in Hawaii is very intertwined in the deep state as drugs and human trafficking have been a source of income for the people here. And it's a source of income because, as I heard one white military gentleman, elderly gentleman say, it's easier for the gals. And they like it. So I um, I personally have a big problem with that because it's created a very terse environment for people like me who had a very different life experience than the islands here. And the choices the people made for decades, and this isn't like an overnight kind of thing, this is for decades, were their own choices. They could have chose to go a route of education and trying to preserve things, but they chose to develop out their tourist industry, and they're benefiting from it financially, it seems. But for me, I am from the East Coast, and they completely demolished my life. So in this targeting experience, and today I'm sitting at the very end of my rope, I mean the very end of my rope, um, they've pretty much pushed me to the edge. And I've hung in there, um, and I'm supposed to uh, check out a therapist, but Hawaii State has already been marked as the worst state or second to the worst state in the entire United States for any type of medical care. And since I've been here, I've seen people sell their homes because they've had cancer and the hospitals don't respond. I myself have been forced to go to the hospital when I've had no visible injury. And the hospital has tried to extort money from my parents and then they did shut down several hospitals here on the island. But um, it's been a really bad place because what we think of as good, in general, people don't hurt each other, uh, d wasn't happening here. People were getting hit, robbed, and physically hurt so that they could get money from the insurance here in the hospitals to bring more money into their economy. I mean, this is a really bad scene. It doesn't look like a bad scene from the outside because of the beautiful lush landscape. And I know that it's not good to say that it's all people who are ethnic because it's not all people who are ethnic. Some of the people who I encountered that I had problems with were, you know, all Asian, you know, on the whiter side of Asian, or all white. Some of them, well, those are the two main categories. And then there's the Hapa category, which I haven't encountered too much of. 
but they have been obviously useful to the gang stalkers. So they get paid somewhere in making these problems for people and they only seem to care about the money and to make money and then mocking people for being stupid because they have the money. It's the haves and haves nots. They have the, have the money now and you have nothing. So I'm, I'm one of those people. And what I was trying to say with the second incident of a uh, music studio called Avex, I believe, A-V-E-X, was a building that was up for sale. And people came at me in my misery, I'll just put it that way, uh, brutal misery. And they, they wanted me to pick out a piano. I mean, this was around the same time I saw a very famous Hawaiian musician, pop star, before he really made it big on the charts. Um, but these building, these people linked to this studio wanted me to get my family engaged in purchasing that studio. And they see me as a way to get Japanese money. And they don't understand what I my purpose was for being in the United States. So they have pretty much destroyed everything that I consider peaceful. And my family had already made a decision collectively on my Japanese side not to assist me in the United States because my brother was killed. And that is after my sister was already killed. Plus my mom has gone through everything and is disabled. So I have very little and to no respect for most of the people around me to socially interact. And that's aside from being a trained musician who was hired also by a person who had run the Metropolitan Opera's choir. And so in my line of music, which is not pop diva, it's more art form than pop, um, we don't typically smoke. We do drink some, but usually those things are out, and especially not to drink coffee. But since I'm a pianist, I drink coffee. I'm not a vocalist. And I'm not really a drug user. I mean, people put it around me. Here in Hawaii, it's almost impossible to avoid. And I don't really like being pinpointed as a bad person because I choose not to participate. So on multiple levels, it's really, really, really difficult. This has not been the best environment for me to make money in, to teach lessons. Um, the parents have a low understanding. And then after everything I found out about this state, I question the integrity of the community around me and their intents. I, there's no way I can't. How can you let human trafficking go until two, 2015? and play the game with the federal agents of 
the police aren't going to enforce anything on the federal agents because there are no state laws, but the feds realize there's nobody else out here supervising them so they can get away with whatever they want to do, and the cops can too. Uh, I know things have changed a little bit, but now they're also targeting those of us who are already targeted with their new laws because they have pretty much run us out of existence. And I am literally very afraid for my life. I haven't had a bed to sleep in in a year now. Well, that's not exactly true. I, I had, well, not a comfortable bed, I'll put it that way. Because the hotels that I had been scheduling intermittently between having to car camp or just not sleeping were being perped by cleaning women at 7.30 in the morning who ignore the do not disturb sign and enter anyway. So I had pretty much given up at that point since we are also on high alert for North Korea. And I also have had relatives who negotiate with China for diplomatic you know, relations in war that has been going on for more than 15 years now. So I have all sorts of people approaching me. I don't have a single suit. Uh, it's very difficult to wear a button-down shirt, and everybody here wears beach dresses. So um, there's no way for me to create a barrier and attract the better people because I don't know who's better anymore for me. I mean, for me, it doesn't matter if you're the most elite martial arts instructor on the island, you know, from here to wherever, and it, those things don't matter. And also the musicians here are so competitive, they badmouth everybody. So I am very, I think, this place broke my heart as the end of my uh, USA experience. I had, I think, more fun and opportunity in Pennsylvania despite the racism. Um, I think I had a little more fun and friendship in New York where I had gone to school despite all the problems. I mean, it weighs heavy on both sides. I have heavy drama it's either really great or really bad. <laughs> and Hawaii has just been a very heartbreaking experience for me to, to share with everyone. Because what I wanted to share was the beautiful Hawaii where people smile at you and treat you well and accept you. And this is not that place for me. So anyway, I will share more later when I can compose myself. I think it's easier if I interview on it. But I was a assault survivor in college and when I graduated I had spoken at an event called Women Speak at Ithaca College for women survivors of our campus because our campus was predominantly Jewish and a lot of things went unreported and unsaid. And so I it took me a very long time to finish my bachelor's degree due to the abuse at the school by other students. 
I just don't think I would have had this much of a bad time if I had just gone straight to Japan, and that's my bad. I was just very afraid to go to Asia because of the terrorist threats in Asia, and I thought Hawaii would have been better. And I'll just leave it at that. I It's pretty heartbreaking, and if I lose my life at this point, I did everything I could to hang in there. But there are no options here, and I've been insulted by everybody from all these private institutions enough on this island. Survivor Pile out.